For thousands of years, we've been under the impression that the Bible was intended to be taken seriously. Finally, a new translation that changes all of that. This is Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible! Welcome to Chapter 8 of Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible with me, David Tuckman. We're coming to you live from New York City's Parkside Lounge. In each episode of this monthly podcast, a special guest joins me and tries to read my own personal translation of the Old Testament from the original Hebrew while I make fun of it. Today is Monday, May 20th, 2013, and the world is falling apart. I, like, the past month since we last recorded this has just been, like, devastating news thing, news article after news article. Washington is in, is in a disaster. People are dying everywhere. Horses are racing. It's just awful. So why not go into the back of a bar and listen to somebody mock the world's oldest or the world's most important holy book? I think that's a great thing to do. Um, in the past month, me personally, I've released some comedy projects. I've released a comedy single. Um, it's on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash David hyphen Tuckman. I don't know why I chose hyphen instead of underscore or whatever. It is a dramatic reading of a fan fiction from uh, The Wire between season one and season two, and I'm very proud of it, and I'd love if you could check it out and listen to it. I'm also on Twitter, David underscore Tuckman, but that's not important. What's important is podcast news. There are a lot of things that have been going on with this podcast that I'm very excited about. Um, last month, I was remiss, and I didn't mention that Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible was featured on New Voices, which is a campus-based Jewish uh, online magazine, newvoices.org. I was interviewed by uh, a writer named Katie Damon. The interview is up there. I'm really proud of it and really excited by it. I hit the 4,000 download mark. So 4,000 people have downloaded this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. But more importantly, um, you know, I'm working diligently to translate this entire thing. I'm almost done with Genesis. I have nine chapters left in Genesis. So I'm very, very close to at least finishing the first book of this insane project. So thank you everyone for listening, for pushing me on. Last but not least, um, in the past month I've been printing up, I've been stepping up promotion and printing up flyers and stickers, which are available at all live shows from now on. Uh, these are religious tracts or brochures. You can pick them up and read them if you come to a live show. You can put stickers all over your um, holy books and sidurim or prayer books if you want. They're wonderful. As always, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash omgbible, Twitter at omgwdfbible, and then omgwtfbible.com. You can listen on Stitcher, uh, Smart Radio, iTunes, any podcast app that you want. Uh, please, if you like this show, share it with your friends. I mean, that's the best way that this thing spreads through word of mouth and write a review on iTunes. Anyway, that's enough preamble. Let's bring our guests on stage. Are you guys ready for your guest? She is somebody, she is a, she's somebody, she is a human being, she is a writer and a blogger. Please welcome to say Julie Sugar. Julie, it's great to see you. Great to be here. Um, who just walked into the room? Do you see that? Uh, well, I don't want to embarrass him, but my boyfriend just walked into the room. Let's hear it for that. <laughs> Um, as I called you to the stage, so he missed all the boring David Tuckman part and got right to the Julie. He was um, actually he was actually waiting for you to stop talking and then came in. That makes sense. My girlfriend does the same thing. Um, 
Julie, I wanted to tell you, you were actually one of the first people I had in mind to have on as a guest when I decided to do this as a live show. So I'm really, really excited to have you read this chapter. That's great. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, and it's a really wacky one. Um, and we'll get to it in a minute. But before we do, I wanted to ask you a few questions. Sure. Just so our audience um, gets to know you, gets to know who you are. Um, are you Jewish? I am. Okay. What's your, I mean, what, how Jewish are you? What's your relationship with the Jewish faith so that we know where you're coming from as you read this thing? Um, it's very complicated. Okay. Uh, I actually, I blogged last year for Lilith Magazine mm-hmm. about my various religious crises. Um, <laughs> I grew up totally secular, became more observant um, uh, in my late teens and early 20s, then recently became less observant and even more recently have started becoming more observant again. <laughs> um, I, I so, think I follow that. Okay. Um, I, I identify as a seeker. Um, okay. I feel comfortable in a lot of different communities. I'm most often found um, in a non-Orthodox community um, and consider myself an activist and a feminist um, and an ally in general, but also in that world. How, this is something that's been happening in the news recently. I wasn't asking you, but it just popped into my head. How do you feel about Women of the Wall? Uh, which is uh, a movement um, that's trying to push for uh, you know, worship by women at the Kotel. I support them. Um, I think it's really sad and scary, um, some of the reactions to them. Yeah. Uh, very violent reactions, which is very violent reactions. Crazy. I, I um, you know, it, it, I I understand that people have different have different beliefs and different faiths and different interpretations. But what moves someone to actually, literally, stone another human being? Yeah. I, 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 I I like what goes through someone's mind when they like, pick up a stone yeah. and throw it like I, I I just it's it's very hard for me to understand um, as as tolerant as I am I, I I just can't tolerate that being expressed as you know physical harassment towards another yeah. human being yeah exactly okay now that we've gotten very heavy <laughs> um, what's I mean what's your relationship with the Bible with this book have you ever read the entire thing straight through because I have not um supposed to have read the entire thing straight okay. through. Um, I, I go to shul, I go to synagogue, um, I try to go every week, and every week, if I show up early enough, um, they're reading the, the weekly Torah, Torah portion, <laughs> the, the, the Parsha. Um, I don't make it, though, every week to shul, to synagogue, <laughs> um, and I don't always make it early enough and sometimes when I travel, like the, the, the summer months... Are you months, sure you want to be saying this on the podcast? <laughs> the summer months are a little bit of a blur. Um, <laughs> but I, I consider myself fairly familiar with, okay. with the Torah, with cool. the Old Testament. Um, what is your favorite, if you had to choose one, what is your favorite story or passage from this tome? Um, my, my Hebrew name is Leah, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know if favorite is the right word exactly because uh, a lot of her story is very sad but I really uh, resonate a lot with the with the story of Leah and Rachel and Jacob okay cool unfortunately that's like a couple months away it's too bad you're not reading that but <laughs> this right. this is a really really fun chapter one last question before we get into it um, what is your earliest memory of me this is something I ask all my guests uh, to make them uncomfortable this is really good uh, <laughs> um 
So as you know, David, uh, we went to Hunter College together. Uh, my first memory of you, I, I don't remember what the very first one was, but I just remember like having met you somewhere around school and then I would like see you in the cafeteria in the hallways I and you were sort of like you. yeah you were like looking at me like bizarrely but we didn't really know each other and I think we we the Facebook was new back then uh, <laughs> and we became Facebook friends and I basically I wrote to you and I said, "Are you are you stalking me?" <laughs> and you and you said, "Yes." yes I was. <laughs> and that was uh, that was the first memory. Although a very early memory is that uh, you also reviewed um, a couple plays of mine that were produced by Hunter College. Yes. Um, my first and last for a newspaper review. for a, an actual publication, <laughs> which then never got published. Yes. Hunter yeah. College envoy, everybody. Okay. <laughs> Yes, no, I think I found you on Facebook probably because I reviewed you in the newspaper. Oh, is that what happened? Yes, not oh. because I was. <laughs> so my, my first memory then is of you stalking me. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> Great. And with that, <laughs> chapter eight. Are you guys ready for Torah? A loose trend. Oh, so before we go, I've noticed um, I've made it a little difficult by uh, forcing people to listen to all the previous episodes before they can move on to a new one. So I think starting this month, I'm going to give you a little recap before I move on so that in case you haven't read the like hours of Bible that's happened beforehand, you sort of know what's going on. So previously in the Bible, Jehovah promised Abraham a son, destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and Lot, having escaped those cities with his two daughters, was given wine in a cave by them, then they fucked him and got pregnant. Anyway, this is Torah, chapter 8, in which a plotline is recycled, and Abraham gives us a primer in how to be a bad dad. Abraham traveled from there. There uh, being his trios in Memre. Um, no context because that's what this thing does. <laughs> he went to the land of Negev between Kadesh and Shur and settled in Gerar. She is my sister, he said about his woman Sarah when he got there. So Avimelech, the king of Gerar, sent for her and took her. If you recall, this happened before when Avram at that point and Sarai went to Mitzrayim or Egypt to escape a famine. This whole thing was like three paragraphs when it happened in Mitzrayim because even the author knows this thing happened before. <laughs> That's right. That night, sorry. <laughs> that night, Jehovah came to Avimelech in a dream. You will die on top of the woman you've taken, for she already has an owner. An owner. <laughs> but Avimelech hadn't even gone near her. My master, he said, will you kill those who are innocent? The guy told me she was his sister. And she, even she told me he was her brother. I've done this with an innocent heart and clean hands. I promise, I washed my hands first. <laughs> I knew that. God said, I knew your heart was innocent. Sure you did, God. That's why I stopped you from sinning against me. I didn't let you touch her. Now, you should give that man his woman back, because he is a prophet. Um, so right now God is speaking directly to Avimelech. Doesn't that also make him a prophet? <laughs> and he will pray for you and save your life. If you don't give her back, I will definitely kill you and everything you have. <laughs> 
Definitely. <laughs> Abimelech woke that morning and called to all his servants. He repeated everything that had happened into their ears. These men were now really scared. Why have you done this to us? Abimelech shouted at Abraham. How have I sinned toward you? You have brought a great sin upon myself and my kingdom. You've done something with me that is not done. Seriously, what are you doing? This is the second time. <laughs> what have you seen that led you to do this? I told myself, Abraham said, that God is not feared in this place, and I thought you would kill me over the matter of, of my woman. Also, she is kind of my sister. She's my father's daughter, though not the daughter of my mother. Well, no, she's your brother's daughter, as we read much earlier, which makes it less weird. And I took her as my woman. Then, when Jehovah led me out of my father's house, I told her, please do this kindness for me. Whenever we get to a new place, tell them I'm your brother. I like how he just kind of casually drops in the part where some god named Jehovah told him to leave his father's house. Like, that's a normal thing that happens. <laughs> Abimelech gave sheep, cattle, slaves, and lady slaves to Abraham. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Abimelech also returned to Sarah, also returned Sarah, Avraham's woman, to him. Behold, Avimelech said, my entire land is before you. You may settle in whichever area excites your eye. I gave your brother a thousand pieces of silver, he told Sarah. She still calls her him her brother. <laughs> Let it cover the eyes of those who are with you. You are vindicated before all. Wait, is this, is this blackmail? <laughs> Avraham prayed. Jehovah healed Avimelech his women, and his slave girls. And they all had children. You see, God had plugged up the uteri of all the women in Abimelech's house because of what happened with Sarah, the woman of Abraham. By the way, um, so it mentions here that uh, Abimelech never touched Sarah. When this happened in Mitzrayim, it never mentions that Paro didn't touch Sarah, which means they totally fucked. <laughs> Jehovah remember, remembered what he'd said to Sarah and did what he'd promised. Sarah grew pregnant and birthed a son to Avraham in his old age and at the time Jehovah had told him. Avraham called the son Sarah had given him Yitzhak and circumcised him on his eighth day as God had commanded. Avraham was a hundred years old when Yitzhak, his son, was born. And Sarah, who cares? <laughs> Jehovah has given me laughter, Sarah said. Everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. Who would have told Abraham that Sarah would be suckling sons? I popped out a son for him in his old age. The son grew and was weaned. Abraham made a great feast on the day of Yitzhak's weaning. At the party, Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Mitzrayi and Abraham laughing. Chase away this servant and her son, Sarah said to Abraham. Didn't you want everyone to be laughing? This servant's son shall not inherit with my son, Yitzhak. Uh, sorry, I just wanted to point out, I think I made a mistake. It was Hagar and Yishmael laughing, most likely, right? Oh. Yeah, Hagar's son, so I oh. apologize for that. I thought they were just sort of like flirting. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it could be. I will correct that online if that's a mistake. Hi there, David Tuckman here, correcting this issue in the podcast so that you don't have to go to the internet to figure this out. The way that I had written this in the podcast was actually correct. It says, at the party, Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Mitzri and Avraham laughing. 
That is technically correct. However, it is ambiguous. The original Hebrew says, "Vatera Sarah et Ben Hagar Hamitzrit Asher Yada La Avraham Mitzachek." What that means is that Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Mitzrit, who she had born to Avraham, laughing. So I apologize for that. It means that Yishmael was the only one laughing, and he was born to Hagar the Mitzrit and Avraham. Sorry about that. Anyway, back to the story. This bugged Avraham a lot because it was his son. Don't worry so much over the servant and the boy, Yehovah told Avraham. Yeah, he's just your firstborn son. <laughs> Whatever Sarah says, listen to her, since your progeny shall be known in Yitzhak. But since he is your offspring, I will also make the son of the servant into a great nation. When he woke in the morning, Avraham took bread and a, and a skin of water to Hagar. He put them on her and the boy's shoulders and sent them off. They left and wandered in the wilderness until they reached Beersheba. When the water in the skin was finished, Hagar hid the boy under one of the bushes. She walked away from him and sat about the distance a bowshot might travel. I do not want to be able to see the boy die, she said. She raised her voice and cried. This is terrible. This is what God told Avraham to do. <laughs> Jehovah heard the voice of the child. God's instructions are bad. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, Hagar? An angel of God called out from the sky. Don't be afraid. God has heard the child's voice and knows he is there. Get up and go to the boy. Your hand will be strengthened because he will be made into a great nation. Jehovah opened Hagar's eyes. She saw a well. So this is interesting because it says that Jehovah opened her eyes and she saw a well. It doesn't say that he created a well, which he could totally do because he's God and he made the entire world. So the well was already there and Hagar was either too distraught to notice it in her desperate search for water, which doesn't make sense, or God didn't let her see it until he opened her eyes. Either way, this is a pretty lame miracle. <laughs> so, yeah. Hagar went to the well and filled the water skin. Then she stated the boy's thirst. Jehovah was with the boy who grew and lived in the wilderness, becoming a hunter with bow and arrow. He lived in the desert of <laughs> he lived in the desert of Paran and took a Mitzrayim woman with him. He wouldn't be starving if he lived in the desert. <laughs> Sounds pretty good, actually. Uh, at this time, Avimelech and Pechol, the chief of Svoa, approached Avraham. Jehovah is with you in everything you do, they said. Swear to us now you will not lie to our children or to our grandchildren. You might be wondering why they're so anxious that Avraham not lie to their children or grandchildren. Maybe it's because he keeps lying to people. <laughs> we shall return your kindness to you and let you dwell in our land. I swear, Avraham said. Then he got up in Avimelech's grill about a well that had been stolen by the king's workers. How do you steal a well? <laughs> I... It's in the Bible. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea who did this, Avimelech said, and you didn't tell me. This is the first I'm hearing about it. Abraham gave sheep and oxen to Avimelech, and the two men entered into a treaty. What about Pichol? He must be, like, sad in the corner there. <laughs> then Abraham set seven ewes off by themselves. What's with the seven ewes you've separated, Avimelech asked. Please take these seven ewes from me as testimony that I dug this well. I feel like courtrooms back then must have been super smelly. <laughs> For this reason, that place is now called Be'er Sheva. So Be'er means well and Sheva in Hebrew means seven. 
Also, how is it only now being named Beersheba if we just saw Hagar and Yishmael hanging out there? There Continuity. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There they both swore to each other. Once the treaty was settled, Avimelech and Pichol, the chief of Tzfoa, got up and went back to the land of the Plishtim. Avraham planted a tamarisk tree. Again, nobody knows what a tamarisk tree is. <laughs> in Beersheba, and called out the name of Jehovah, Lord of the world. He lived in the land of the Plishtim for lots of days. After these things, God decided to test Avraham. Avraham, God said, Here I am, Avraham said. Take Yitzchak, the only son that you love, and go to the land of Moriah. It's a good thing Yishmael wasn't around to find out his father didn't love him. (laughs) (laughs) There, raise him as a sacrifice on one of the mountains. I'll show you which one. The next morning, Avraham woke up saddled his donkey, and collected two of his wards and his son Yitzchak. So last month, before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, or Amora, uh, when God told Avraham that he was going to do that, Avraham spent like a whole passage arguing with God, telling him to stop doing that, or to not do that, to save the city. But when God asked Avraham to murder his only son, or the son that he loves, sure! They split a tree for the Ola offering, got up, and set off to the place God told them. Um, Again, this is something that was in chapter 3. An Ola offering is an offering that is completely consumed by the sky, goes up completely to God, because it is a burnt offering. The entire offering is burnt, so it rises up to God. On the third day, Avraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Sure, move on. (laughs) Stay here with the donkey, Avraham told his two wards. I will go up there with the boy. We will bow down, and we will return to you. Um, Avraham, you probably didn't mean to use the word weave there, did you? (laughs) (laughs) Avraham gave Yitzhak the wood and carried the fire and the knife in his own hand. The two walked together. Um, Dad, Yitzhak said. I am here, my son, Avraham said. I see the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb we're going to sacrifice? God will show us the lamb we'll sacrifice, my son. The two walk together. It's good pacing, though, don't you think? Yeah. Well translated. Uh, No, it's the original. That was all the original. I was translating. I was like, wow, this is is a well-written section. Well done. Good job, God. Compliments to the chef. When they reached the place God had described... Avraham built the altar and arranged the wood. He tied up Yitzhak and placed him on the altar, atop the wood. Avraham raised the knife in his hand, preparing to slaughter his son. Avraham, an angel of Jehovah, called out from the sky. I am here, Avraham has said. Do not set your hand upon the boy, the angel said. So, uh, I didn't mention before, there's this whole thing about uh, there being two God characters. There's Elohim, which is the vengeful, mean one, and then Jehovah, which is the nice, kind one. So, uh, if you notice, I didn't translate Elohim as Elohim, it's just God in my translation. Jehovah is Jehovah. Elohim is the one that tells Avraham to sacrifice his son, and Jehovah is the one, or the angel of Jehovah, or messenger of Jehovah, is the one who jumps in and saves the day right before he brings the knife down. 
<laughs> lending credence to that theory. It's kind of good cop, bad cop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or good God, bad God. Do not make a mark on him. This is the angel. Do not make a mark on him. I now know you truly fear God. You would give everything to me, including your only son. Only son? <laughs> Abraham raised his eyes and saw a ram caught by its horn in a thicket. He took the lamb and sacrificed it to God in place of his son. He called that place Yehovah Yireh because on that day he said, Yehovah will show us. Yireh means will show us, but yeah. <laughs> Yehovah. Yehovah has sworn, a second angel called out from the sky, in response to you having done this thing, even giving him your... Even giving him your only son, that you are surely blessed. Your offspring will be as plentiful as the stars in the sky or the sand on the shores of the sea. Your children shall claim the gates of their enemies. All nations of the land will be blessed on behalf of your seed because you have listened to my voice. Abraham returned to his wards. No, I wanted to make an awful joke about being blessed on behalf of someone's seed, and it's just too gross, you know? <laughs> They got up and went with his wards to Beersheba, where Avraham stayed. That's chapter 8. Thank you, Julie. That was awesome. That's a crazy one, I think. I say that every time, and it's always a crazy one. The, la <laughs> the last few have been pretty wild. There were some at the beginning that were just like lists of people's names, but this was a really wacky one. Um, now, at this point in the show, now that we've finished uh, reading the chapter, we do something called the Devar Torah. Now, Devar Torah is usually like a speech about the Torah, uh, a, a sermon, if you will, um, but literally it means a uh, word book. So do you have a, a, a word book, one single word that you would use to describe this chapter? Considering you gave me a heads up about this question, I'm, I'm just drawing a blank. Um, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the, 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 the easy answer and say sacrifice. Sacrifice? I, mine, and I came up with it a while ago, uh, therapy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why it's your job to write these things. Because, <laughs> and, and you know, this is my, this, this one, and, and again, these are not like actual chapter divisions. I made them completely arbitrarily based on how long I want this podcast to last. <laughs> But this chapter, um, the first section is probably not a good example of a marriage. And then the second two passages are, you know, Avraham probably really fucking up both of his sons for a really long time. I see a lot of, of you know, psychiatrist bills in both Yishmael and Yitzchak. Maybe that's why they lived so long then, you know, to get to work through all those issues. <laughs> Maybe. But, you know, he, he's not, because it's, I mean, it, it's interesting because it, we, we see his, his great devotion to Jehovah or to Elohim or to God, but um, he doesn't like his sons much, <laughs> apparently. Do you have any final thoughts about this? I, I heard a, a really interesting um, speech, uh, a, a, a Dvar Torah um, that I won't. <laughs> a real one? That I, a real one um, that I, I won't. You know, include into the podcast, but um, the upshot was just that. You know, this is this whole chapter is is known as a as kind of God testing Abraham. Yeah. But what if he actually failed the test? What if him being so willing to sacrifice his son is actually him not? Yeah. 
doing it right, you know. That's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, maybe. Uh, and the angel's like, wait, 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 never just, mind. Just kidding. Um, so yeah, I definitely hear that. I think that's a reasonable reading of this. I actually read something before I came over here. I was like looking around on the internet for a few things because I had some thoughts about this. Um, I read um, this chapter. Sorry, a. I read a, an essay about how like there are hints like when he says uh, we will return Avram actually knows what game God is up to <laughs> and he knows that God knows that he's and God like, knows like that wink. he knows that he's not going to do it because it's showing that like God yeah it gets pretty convoluted but like God is so great that he knows that he can do this test to Avram and he will accept it even though it sounds crazy <laughs> I just think that like yeah, Avram screwed up. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I also, it's troubling, to say the least. Yes. I had a theory about this once, and I have no idea if this is accurate. Mm. This is based on no research at all. But that part of the reason this is included in the, in the foundational text of Judaism may be to show the disparity between this religion and other possibly dominant religions at the time that did require uh, human sacrifice and people to sacrifice their children so that you know, these characters, it's like they go through all the motions, like, no, wait, stop, don't do that. That's fucked up. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when a lot of people are, are reading the Torah, the Old Testament for the first time, there, a lot of times there's a lot of really detailed, gory descriptions of animal sacrifices, and it's like, ooh, you know. Um, but if you think, like you said, about the, the cultures that were yeah. surrounding the Jews at that time, sacrificing animals and not humans was actually an ethical, you know, huge leap. Uh, it was an improvement. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, the sanctity and of life in, uh, you know, in the Torah is a big deal. Yeah, I mean, you didn't have a butcher, because if you ate meat, you probably butchered it itself, yourself. And it was part of this ritual, and that's where your meat came from. So in a way, sometimes, I mean... I've had conversations about this. Sometimes animal sacrifice seems like it might be more ethical than the way that we get meat, considering you know that we get it from factory farms in this industrialized system of agriculture, and we have no idea what happens to the animals that come to us. I'm now totally out of my... I have no idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, those are my final thoughts. Those are Devar Torah. Um, I want to I thank you, Julie, for, for agreeing to be on this show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Um, is there anything that you want to tell the listeners about? Any projects that you have coming up that you want to talk about? Sure. Um, I'm really easy to find on the interwebs. Uh, I'm, my blog is julie.wordpress.com. Um, I try to update it weekly. Sometimes that happens. Uh, I also blog for Lilith Magazine. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at uh, Julie Sugar. Just like it sounds, my last name is Sugar. Um, and yeah, I, I, that's really the best way to stay up to date with what I'm working on. Cool. Thank you again for being on the show. Um, just I want to go down the list of thank yous. Thank you to the Parkside Lounge for allowing us to be here every month. It's awesome that they give us this space. Um, I want to thank Adam Bozarth and Wendy Chin for creating the two posters that were used uh, for this month's episode. I want to thank our audio and engineer, John Passaro, for uh, making sure this sounds good. And you guys, thank you for being here tonight. And be sure to join us next month for two reasons. First of all, the next episode, episode 9, chapter 9, I should say, is on June 17th, which is my birthday. So I'm going to be celebrating my birthday with the audience of this show. And be sure to join us next month, because next month, in the Bible, 
somebody dies. 